Welcome to The Map. My name is Kimberly Walsh, and I'm from Brady's Landing. Joining me is Kristen Perry-Long, recovery coach, and Andy Bernstein from Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. The artist formerly. Formally known. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me about yeah, that. Yeah, well, yes. We are back here at our friendly confines at our Foxborough Cable Access TV studio. We do have a great show planned for today. Um, I'm going to turn it over to Andy, who's going to get us started with the introduction. Well, I thank you, Kimberly. We, <laughs> we actually do have a great show. And before we meet our first guest, Charles King, um, there's an, actually a very important act that um, my friend, State Senator Cindy Freeman, has authored, and it's being actually voted on tomorrow, February 13th. And the bill is the Mental Health Addressing Barriers to Care Act. And we talk a lot about this on the show. Last show, yeah. Um, and it's the designed to break down the barriers of mental health treatment and also to increase access for care for all. And um, they've been it's been decades in the making. So basically, what does this mean? It's uh, the bill is supposed to improve care and by identifying the gaps in the mental health system and um, requiring insurance coverage for many emergency services and um, really enforcing the equity law as well, the different equity laws. Um, And so Senator Friedman had said that we have laws and values that say mental health should be treated the same way as physical health, yet we don't. So, you know, part of the bill is also that the state will be able to enforce existing state and federal laws that require equitable access to physical and mental health care. And they're basically going to hold the insurers accountable um, for violating any kind of parity violations. And they're also trying to seek, um, get more people in the mental health careers, which is kind of interesting. So they're going to work on that bill tomorrow. And um, so I, I wanted to get your take on the bill. Um, it's something we talked about last week. And do you see that we there's a need for this act? I know without knowing all the particulars. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's what is good is that there is attention being brought to it. Um, like anything, you know, they're going to be the people that are going to want to cut the corners and say, well, we're taking care of this and, you know, it's being addressed when in fact we know it's really not being addressed. It, it goes back to those dual diagnosis, you know, true dual diagnosis programs where, you know, they have a psych nurse practitioner, which is really nothing wrong with that in a facility. And they consider themselves dual diagnosis right. with that title or with that, that person. Um, and yes, they can prescribe, but it's really not addressing the mental health side of the problem. Right. right. And the bill is actually about the enforcement of these parity laws, right? That yes. The parity laws that state um, you are entitled to, insurers must cover their insureds the same way for physical health as they do for, I mean, for mental health as they do for physical health. So if you go to the doctor, if you have an emergency, you have an appendix taken out, okay, that's the same. You get treated the same urgency as someone who comes in with a bipolar disorder that needs immediate treatment. They, they have to be the same. There has to, you can't discriminate. Oh, well, if it's a, if it's a broken leg, it gets better treatment than something of a similar. Right. You can't physically see the mental health, right. you know, the, they only can talk about it. Right. And the problem is they aren't enforcing the violations that are rampant. Well, so they mentioned parity laws. What does that mean? What are, what are we talking about with parity? 
That was exactly just like I told you that, that, that they have was to be the same. Saying. Yeah, right. They have to be, you can't discriminate in your, in their covering certain procedures as a Got it. Right. But I was thinking about healthcare, more healthcare disparity as a, uh, as well, like minorities, are they getting minority? Oh. <laughs> That's what I was kind of referring to. Oh, is that what this? No, no oh, but okay. I, I mean, I guess having access for all is right. is is part of it. But I guess, um, do you see or do you think that there is a difference between mental ha- health care for um, lower income areas and? Oh, we're not even going. Yeah, go we're not there. even going to go. We're not even going to go there. <laughs> that's because a whole another show. That's another. So that's like okay. So here's the deal. Here's the example. Okay, so somebody at treatment center, right, that takes out of network insurance. Right. Those are your PPO policies, right? They've got thirty six beds. Okay. Okay, and those are all PPO beds. They Explain have, PPO for. Uh, those are the the good policies okay okay? those are the that's where you get to pick right those are the in network the blue cross blue shield where they have good coverage and and high it's a higher pay okay um and actually out of network is is going to be soon to be phased out because insurance companies can't they can't afford it everything's pretty much going to all be in network pretty soon okay eventually meaning that you don't choose your doctors basically right it's yeah it's it's going to get tougher but that's that's not really what I what we were talking about. So you have those thirty six beds, right? And you have you have nine Medicaid Medicare beds. Okay, right. Nine because in the same say, hospital in the same in the same hospital, right? So they pay say the the out of network pays six hundred and fifty dollars a day, and the Medicaid pays one seventy five. Okay, so they're playing it's nice. That. But the field is really not balanced. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Right, right. So hopefully this bill will pass. Yeah. I is mean, this, do you know, Andy, if this bill actually provides and what the the um, repercussions are for the insurance companies? Are there actual fines? Do you did you get? There are fines and there are violations that they will have to be held accountable yeah, for. Yeah, because there's. Um, you know, reporting requirements. Right. There you go. And they're going to be audited okay, with good. it, which is, uh, you know, I know Senator, State Senator Freeman, she's, um, I actually met her because she wrote a op-ed in the Boston Globe about the need for healthcare for all and that locking people up is not the solution right, right. to treating this. Absolutely. Right. So she feels like... That's another whole segment. I know. Well, I know. The endless right. content. I know. They, they lock people. So so she's been a really an advocate with... Um, uh, Jail the, diversion. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it was co-authored with uh, State Senator Julian Sear and um, Karen Spica from the um, President of State Senate. So I'm dropping names. I know, right? <laughs> I know. Well, I'm going to go cover it tomorrow. Careful, you, you need awesome. to expand your... Thing your head's getting big. <laughs> oh please! Oh, Levi- that's levity. <laughs> please, uh, but but you know. So, but she's really she's really been behind it, and so um, hopefully we can get this done. But I saw this article in the paper, so I reached out to her nice. and I said, "Hey, do a show. Would yeah. like to have you on. Yeah, talk about it." So she did, and um, so yeah, so I'm I'm pulling for it. Hopefully, it, the thing will pass. 
So I agree. Cool. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's, we'll keep you posted on that. We will keep you posted. I mean, and I guess without knowing the particulars of the bill, would you say that there, what would you like to see? Are there things, you know, from your experience, are there some things that you, you know, I think that like the whole mental care, mental health side of it, it's not a, um, it's kind of like what they had to figure out with detox. It's not a detox and you're all better. Well, in a lot of these hospitals, they give you, excuse me, uh, seven to 14 days to be stabilized and you're all better. But as we'll hear later, um, with our guest, you know, uh, when they're giving you medications and they really don't know how you're going to react and how your, your disease is going to react to the medicine and so on and so forth. You need more time to be able to be stabilized and really see how your body reacts and how you react. And, and then you also need to deal with the core of the problem. You know, what is causing your addiction? Just your, a symptom. Right. Yeah. Well, so I was doing some research the other day. You okay? Yeah, I'm all right. Um, <laughs> I'm hanging, <laughs> doing the best that I can. Um, <laughs> a little brain strain there for you. <laughs> um, Do you smell smoke? Woo, right? Um, hair burning, <laughs> right? Um, but I'm, uh, but I'm reading. Forty six Americans, forty six million Americans. Are suffering with mental health. Oh, it's got to be more than that. Well, that's, no, that's just what's that's reported. reported. That's reported. That's what's One reality. in five, yeah. right? And they said the largest population are kids between twelve and seventeen. Mm-hmm. Are just growing population. Are yeah. growing yeah. population, right. and then it talks about men commit suicide mm-hmm. when they deal with their mental health. Well, we Women don't talk get depressed. about suicide. You know, we don't talk about it. No, it's like it's an it's it's another the- it's another whole. So when Matt came, when Matty did the, um, he spoke at Stakes Are High event. Right. Um, it was the anniversary of one of his very, very close friends uh, who had taken his own life. Right. And, and I had no idea. And, you know, it, it went along with the mental health and the substance abuse, you know, the depression and the, the stigma and the learning to live this life without a lot of support systems and understanding and whatever else um and constantly being you know knocked down or unsupported and everything else that goes along with it yeah they do commit suicide you know go on facebook you can see it all the time it's crazy and all the time you know and especially for guys you know i'm going to be 50 and being 50 you you know i think they're you go through menopause (laughs) i am going through menopause i'm absolutely going through menopause I am. Well, you are on fire today. Fuego. I know. Um, But the thing, but the thing I I've kind of been doing for my life is really I think it's a constant evolution. I think you constantly have to learn, grow, evolve. You can't. Right. Whatever was working for you then. You know. Stabilization is just that you stabilize, right. but if yeah. you don't have any any foundation, you're going to fall back over. It's, right, it's in, relapse is inevitable if you right. don't have a program of some sort to right. support you and learning skills and and, and continuing your growth. Because yeah. people say, "Oh, are you in recovery?" No, but I'm on a journey. Right. I mean, aren't we Where all? Are you going? <laughs> and aren't we all in recovery yeah. or yeah. something? It's the That's journey, something. not the destination. Right. I mean, know. seriously. I mean, yeah. people are like, "Oh, you're not." A... We're all in recovery. Right. And yeah, some, trying to better and something right? and something. I mean, we should all be trying to deprogram from, okay. you know. So anyway, so that that's we the uh, that's the discussion. Okay, that's what's going on. We're gonna 
take a break. Mm-hmm. All right. Can we take, can we do that? We Not can- being bossy. <laughs> we can take a break. All right, we're, guess all right. what? We're going to finally talk to Charles when we get back. Yeah, because we've, we've, we've taken too much time on this time. All right, we'll be right back. You're listening to The Map. Brady's Landing is a exclusive sober home for women located on the Cape. We're in Sandwich, right off the Sagamore Bridge, first exit. I built Brady's Landing to give an older female demographic a place to heal and get better and make the transition from treatment into the real world. It's a very peaceful environment. It's very serene. It's very private. You kind of follow a long driveway down. It opens up into two and a half acres of land. We overlook the water, so there's lots of opportunities to commune with nature at Brady's Landing. Dot org. Or you can also send an email to info at bradyslanding.org. Um, and you can call the number is 774-338-4060. Welcome back to The Map, the Mental Health and Addiction Podcast. I'm Kimberly still. I'm here with Kristen and Andy. And we're going to let Kristen introduce our next guest. The, sn- the, 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 this uh, snarky? Are you being a little snarky? Snarky, snarky Chris? Snarky? Okay, go ahead. Take it away, Chris. Uh, all right, well, I would like to introduce my very good friend. We're good friends, right, Charles? Okay, we're good friends. Um, Charles. Uh, I've known Charles for about five years. five years. Yeah, five years. We played softball together. And um, he was like a speed demon, and now I know why, but he was a speed demon. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> like, like, he would, like, lap you. You know, nobody wanted to bat before Charles because <laughs> he would we'd get to first and Charles would be home, so the run <laughs> wouldn't count. No, just kidding. Um, as far as, you know, what was going on, he hit it really, really well. And the more I learned and read... I had no idea, and it it was kind of eye opening. And Charles, um, Charles has a Facebook page that he um, posts, and his posts are so real and relatable, and just really, really good stuff. And you know, through his journey, I have learned a lot, and he's been able to help a lot of people um, get a better understanding about what you know your challenges in life are, have been. And, so. and he's a good sport because he's been dealing with us for the last yeah, yeah. 20 minutes. Yeah, all right. Putting up with <laughs> is more like it. So, uh, <laughs> Charles, uh, we'd love to welcome you to uh, The Map, and um, we want to hear your story. All right. Thank you, guys. Uh, it's great to be uh, part of this podcast, The Map, and I'd like to introduce myself. I'm Charles King. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic, drug addict, and a compulsive gambler, and I also suffer from bipolar disorder 2, anxiety, and depression. Can you just do a real explanation of bipolar 2? Because people think bipolar is just bipolar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So bipolar 2, uh, I have less uh, manic depression episodes, whereas a uh, bipolar 1 has more depressed episodes. For me, bipolar 2, I'm hypomania, which is one second I can be on top of the world, and then the next day I could be depressed. So my uh, moods go up and down, more as uh, bipolar one. Okay, thanks. And it's a, it's a, my understanding is it's a little bit of a low-lying yes. disorder, mood disorder? I'll say that one more time. Low-lying, it's not as bipolar one is more active. active. Um, it's hard to say that. Okay. It's hard to say Okay. That. So I didn't 
discover my mental illness until after I got sober. So two, uh, two years into my sobriety, or one year into my sobriety, uh, I discovered I had a mental illness. Uh, I was going on September 17, 2017, I was going to commit suicide. Um, I was going to take some pills and, and just end it all. And then um, the following week on September 26, 2017, my wife told me she was pregnant with our first child. And um, that was a blessing right there because a week ago, I was going to commit suicide. And a week later, I'm finding out I'm having a daughter. Wow. Was this That's after awesome. you? Got, so you were going to commit suicide after you got sober? Correct. Wow. So one, I got sober on September 5th, 2016. So after I got my one-year medallion the following year in 2017, a couple of weeks later, I still wasn't happy. I wasn't, right. I wasn't complete. There was still something wrong. I was still yeah. depressed. And um, that's what led to the suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Yeah, and that I think that's pretty common, right? Wouldn't you agree that a lot of people once they get the the substance leaves their body, they're still that's just the that's what they did to mask their yes. feelings and to push it down. So once that's gone, you're kind of left with what what with what you are, right. what, what you yeah yeah. And and I have addictive personality, so once those you know my three major addictions left, right. I was I got addicted to I got addicted to AA. I got addicted wow. to AA meetings and, and helping other people. I got addicted to helping others. And then okay. once that addiction, you know, mellowed down, mm -hmm. I became sad and depressed again. Yeah. So it was like, who's helping Because it's Charles? chemical, yeah, right? It's chemical. it's chemical. But the problems are still, like you said, they're still they're there. They're still there. Yeah, they were just masked by, the, by what we did to not feel them. Right, and when you don't use that, then you're really in trouble, right? Yeah. Because now you're like, okay, I don't have my coping tools. Yes. And all I did was mask the question my, um, or people ask me, did the mental illness come about after you got sober or did I have that mental illness when I was actively drinking and drugging? And that's hard to gauge because right. I was using the alcohol and drugs as a numbing agent. Whereas I could have had bipolar at six years old. And how do I know that? I, I just didn't know until, again, I got sober and, and seeked um, outside treatment. When, when they um, said that you were bipolar, when you discovered that, how did you respond to that? Did, were you in denial about it? Oh, no. <laughs> I was relieved. You weren't. Okay. You were relieved, yeah. I was relieved. Okay. Um, I was relieved this time. When I was um, depressed when I was in my teens, I didn't want anything to do with medications or anything mm -hmm. because I felt like those drugs would interfere with my drinking and drugging. That was my mindset. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, if you give me this um, bipolar medication or depression medication, it's going to alter my drinking. So that's the attitude I had early mm -hmm. on. So I was against doctors and against um, diagnosis. Okay. Because all you knew is you felt better. You drank and you did drugs. You're like, I'm fine. Right, but it's the vicious cycle of, yeah. okay, I drink and now I'm right. feeling good at night or whatever. And then when I'm not drinking, then I feel horrible. So rinse and repeat. Rinse and repeat. How, how hard was it for you to get diagnosed, like to have them listen to you? It wasn't hard. Um, so I'm in the medical field. Mm -hmm. I'm in nursing school. And I knew what um, resources were out there. So... Um, in February of 2018, I, um, called around for therapists and then I started seeing my first therapist. Um, and then within a month he referred me to a psychiatrist 
And within uh, both of their diagnosis, it was like, okay, you have bipolar and you are depressed and you have anxiety. And I needed to hear that from, from two, you know, professionals. professionals. Yeah. Did you, and and my, and my health insurance at the time or still is, is, is pretty good health insurance, blue cross, blue shield. So to have that is, um, is a blessing and grateful for that. Right. Makes a difference. It does make a, finding a, huge a ther- difference. Finding a therapist right. is a, a therapist. lot easier with yeah. Blue Cross Blue Shield and with insurance. With <laughs> right, because right, with Mass Health, what would be the. We're mm, waiting in line. Yep. And you wouldn't yeah, be seen. Well, that's again, another yeah. show, right? Two months, three months. Right. You've you know, got content I, for all our shows. I know, so right we're now. future shows. Yeah, taking yeah, notes. Okay. So, um, Charles, how, at what point did they, after the diagnosis, did they start giving you medication? And I'm just curious, how did that. How did the medication part come into play? So my first medication, I believe I was put on, was Lamictal, or a mood stabilizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like 25 milligrams. And then from there, it was like bouncing off the wall, uh, feeding me meds to see which ones work. Right, yeah. Cause it, and, uh, Lamictal is a stabilizer, though, yes. right? Like like if you took Adderall. Isn't it, isn't it uptaken? Uh, I take Lamictal. Oh. And so... It's, it's used for uh, different um, applications. So right. for for me, it's for my bipolar. So like I could be angry one second and and happy the next. So it, it's a stable. It's a it goes like this. Mm-hmm. Takes so, yeah. the highs and lows and kind because of. Because I, I I have anger issues, mm-hmm. so it's stabilizing my anger. Okay. And when you don't, when you're angry, you don't get as angry. As angry, right? And when or, you're sad, you don't get as. Or like sad. I'll still get angry. It's a it's a human sure. emotion, yeah. but it's more like Charles. Like you just got angry, like. Stop it right now, like in a sense of like that's what the medication is doing. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So, how so, long did it take you to get to? So today, so I started at twenty five milligrams. Today, I'm on two hundred milligrams. Wow. Okay. So, so that's a huge increase wow. in in two years. That was in over two year period. This is a two year period. And is so, that the only one you? No. Okay. So today, I'm on Lamictal two hundred milligrams. I'm on lithium nine hundred milligrams, and I'm on uh, Vilar, uh, Raylar. Uh, two milligrams. It's the commercial right yeah. now. Yeah, it's the commercial with the happy people. <laughs> the, yeah, yay! So let me ask you a question because you know there's always a discussion about medication being a uh, oh you want to get off medication blah blah blah. A lot of people for you medication probably has changed your life. Yes, um, we. I think at one point I was on six medications. I say I'm on three. By hopefully by May, I'll only be on two. Okay. So wait, let's back up to those six medications. What were those six medications? Just for curiosity, if you factor. don't mind sharing. Uh, if you don't mind sharing, sure. Um, so Lamictal, Ambilify, Zoloft. Uh, Together, or or you were trying different ones out to see which one fit. Uh, both. Wow. So wow. I would have to wean off one to yeah. get on the other one. Oh. Uh, you know about the yeah, end. You know oh. And you were living at home all during this time. The last one I was on just a couple of months ago, um, Seroquel. Mm-hmm. It was a great medication, but it put me out like, like a light. light. <laughs> to the moon. <laughs> to the yeah. moon. Yeah. Yeah. They put, yeah. they put, they put like, people's on bills on your eyelids. to make you sleep. And I'm right. saying, like, I have a two-year-old, and, and I'm expecting another child. And I'm like, I... Doc, I can't have yeah. this. I need to stay. No, you could stay in bed all day with that thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Nothing will shake you when yeah. you know. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean that's what happens. So they, 
you go into treatment and, yeah. you know, and it's like, okay, here you go. Here's Seroquel because you can't sleep. Here's Zoloft yeah. because you're, you Here's got anxiety. Adderall you're, Here's Adderall because well, you got Well, of course ADD. you're tired during the so, day. <laughs> so now you're like, whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. Right. It's like, how did, and, and how did you guys survive? I know. It's been, it's been a battle. It's been a battle uh, within myself, between my wife. Um, life. Life. Your job. Job. Uh, school. I mean, I was on Adderall, and Adderall wasn't even working. And it took a long, it took a year for my psychiatrist to give me Adderall because I am a drug addict. Oh, so right. she had to see the progression of me in recovery. Do you have an ADHD, or was the yes, Adderall you I, do? Okay, do. and Lamictal, like for me, because I take Adderall, but Lamictal is the thing that mellows me out, so that if I take Adderall, I'm not bouncing off the walls. Okay, so I'm, so can you relate to what I'm? Uh, not, not no? so because okay. right now I'm on Vyvanse, okay. Vyvanse, yeah. which is 60 milligrams and that helps me focus longer okay. for school and for the day. Okay. Better than Adderall, do you, did you find? Yes. Really? <laughs> okay. And you're not taking Seroquel though? No. Okay. <laughs> Cause I always wondered about that. If they're, they're, they're prescribing, you know, an upper, literally it's a stimulant. It's an amphetamine. It's amphetamine derived. It's the same thing that they make meth out of. Okay? Amphetamine salts. Amphetamine salts. Yeah. Okay, they're giving you that to stay awake during the day, and then they're knocking you out at night, and then you and then you're like Elvis. so you go like this. So it's like okay, I come up, but then I need to come down. So I go up mm-hmm. and I come down. Why don't we just you know what I mean? But then but what they can't know is how what chemicals are where in our brains. They don't know what where we're missing, where we're de- you know deficient. You know, in which chemicals deficient. So it's just a big, like you went through six medications up, down, it did wean off of this one, the shelf life. Okay, we got to, you know, and Ian is all over the place. It's all over the place. So how do you, are you, do you feel like you found the right combination finally? Yes, finally. Nice. Uh, I was on Latuda for the longest time and that, um, I fell into a depression on Latuda. And that's mm. an anti, mm-hmm. is another antidepressant. That's a bipolar, um, okay. medication. Okay. So what's life like for you now? Life right now um, is good. Like I said, I'm expecting my second child. Okay. Congratulations. Month. Thank you. Um, I'm in uh, nursing school at UMass Boston. I work in um, research for a pharmaceutical company. Okay. <laughs> the irony. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, full I'm, circle. Yeah, I'm testing my own medication. Right. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> He's in the basement mixing. Yeah. Um, life is good. I, I'm helping others in recovery um, for alcoholics to drug addicts to compulsive gamblers. Um, you have a blog? I do. I have a blog. It's uh, behindthelaughter.blog. Nice. You, and you're working a program too, I would imagine. You're in the, you're in. Yes. Working I'm, I'm a tw- you mean a 12-step program? Yes. So I'm in AA, I'm in NA, and okay. I'm in GA. Nice. So I'm, I'm busy. Where do you think, wow. <laughs> where do you think this all started with you? Can you define in your life, like kind of when you started to, you know, um, start using drugs? Well, like, so <laughs> where did all that start? Yeah. So um, five years old. So when my parents got divorced when I was five in about 1988, uh, my mother moved my sister and I to Brockton, Massachusetts. That's 31 years ago. Yes. Because my daughter was born in 88. Just I graduated from high school in 88. <laughs> FYI. You're old. Dodgers won the World Series in 88. <laughs> Just FYI. Okay. okay. Go ahead. Sorry. So my mom, um, my parents are um, active alcoholics and drug addicts. Yeah. So... My mom got addicted to crack cocaine, and 
she left me and my sister to our own devices. So I joined a gang in Brockton, Mass., and I was a drug runner. And from five, six years old to about nine years old, I'm running the streets of Brockton. Get out. What? My you fir- my five? You were running drugs? Mm-hmm. My, fir- my first drug uh, was marijuana at five years old. And my first drink was at nine. Wow. I'm just, wow. So, I mean, you grew up. This was, this was, this your, was your hand. That was right? your normal, right? This was right? the hand that you were dealt. This was the hand yeah. that was dealt. Wow. And this is all the the life I knew. So okay. I didn't I didn't attend school. I didn't know how to read or write. I, I was going down a wrong path. So DSS was going to get involved and take me and my sister away. My father caught wind of that and ended up getting um, my aunt, his sister, involved, and she ended up taking us in. So I ended up moving to uh, Medford, Massachusetts. And at what age? Nine years old. At nine. Okay. Um. I entered into third grade right in. Um, I didn't have to like miss any. I like miss a year or two of school. Um, and then from nine to seventeen, she mentally, physically, and then there was sexually abuse in the household. And I, all I knew what to do was mask it with drinking and drugging. Mm. Like she always had the saying, "Whatever happens, in this house stays in this house." Mm. So I always hid that pain and misery mm. with drinking and drugging. So 17 years old, I had enough of her um, abuse and mental abuse and things like that. So I ran away, and I lived in the Boston Common um, my senior year of high school. And again, drinking and drugging was prevalent. So, And I'm just hiding all this. Um, like Chris said earlier, you, you didn't know. So all I did in my entire life was hide my addictions and hide my life from other people. Your whole life, right? I mean, you just, you got sober in 2016? 2016. Yeah. Wow. What about your sister? Sister? <laughs> didn't get, <laughs> didn't get anything. She's the, uh, the clean one. <laughs> she did. She right. was spared everything. I know my brother was too. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like. But she, your aunt didn't abuse her? Uh, she did a little bit, but she was older. My sister's six years older. Oh, okay. So. My sister got kicked out of the house, and then she, like, lived on her own, got her own apartment, so. And she's okay? She's okay. And what's your relationship with your sister? Today, me and my sister are close. We Good. weren't, we weren't, that six years difference early on was, right. it, it wasn't helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Wow. So, when you got sober, I mean, what was the, was there a particular um, event, event yes. or defining moment? Mm-hmm. 2016 was a, um, was, was a, uh, I went to, I went to seven weddings that year. I, mean, I was in the wedding. You were on the circuit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in that wedding era. Was that when you did your, uh, your proposal too or no? No, that was, that was 2013. He did a, a, a proposal to his wife. What is it called? It's flash a, mob. He did a flash mob. Oh, that's mob. awesome. <gasps> yeah. Oh he did a God. flash mob tour in, oh where God. was it? The Potential Center. Yep. And it was like, wow. It was really, really cool. <laughs> so here bumps. we that's are. awesome. Here we are in 2013 and he's doing this. He put this elegant, unbelievable. I recreated where we first met. Yeah. Oh my thing. God. Wow. You know, and here you are harboring all this darkness and no idea. No idea. No idea. Because there's a lot of moving parts to get this thing going, right? Wow. Yeah. It was amazing. Incredible. Yeah. So the defining moment. Yeah. Sorry. So 
I went to uh, seven weddings, five of those weddings I was drunk and high. I had to be the life of the party. And it was just like my body was taking a toll. 2016 was the isolation. It wasn't fun and games anymore. I was doing cocaine every single day. I, I needed to to survive. It was just like I ended my night with it. I had to wake up with it. I had to go to work to just to go to work. So that's when I realized I had a drug problem. I knew I knew I was an alcoholic and, and was proud of it, but the drugs the the final two years of bef- before my recovery was getting a lot heavily into drugs. So I went to a wedding. I went to my best friend's wedding, my best man best friend's wedding, and I'm in the uh, church bathroom doing lines of cocaine before I go on the altar. Wow, and. My wife is like, there's something wrong with you. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, no, I'm just being drunk, having a good time. She's like, no, there's something, something's, not, something's not right. Because I hid, again, hiding my problems. She had no idea? <laughs> she had no idea. Are you kidding me? Wow. I- I'm telling you right now, like, this is like, blows me away. And when I go home and I tell Billy, he's going to be like, are you kidding me? Because this kid was. He played it off real well. He, he never, like we would sit in the parking lot after a softball game and put them all back, and Charles was fine. Like when I think about it, it's like we drove away after some of those games. We should never have driven away, but we did. And it's like now, you know, it's like you really think about what makes you think next time, right? Like, well, you makes you think about next time, but then you think about like how you were just trying to fit in with the rest of us. I, I for softball, I found. Other people that could drink like me. Yeah. I don't want to say that they're alcoholics, mm-hmm. but. But they're alcoholics. It was a good activity. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, we do we find our own. It was we an do. acceptable activity to be playing softball so you could all drink. Yeah. yeah. There, there was one softball story I'll tell real quick, and it was the field right up the street. And <laughs> went home from, went out. I went, I left the house with my uniform on, didn't have a softball game. Stayed to the bar till two in the morning, went to the field, slid into the dirt, and then came home and said it was a great game. <laughs> oh my! Gosh. Slid into the dirt. Oh, he was a slider too. Oh, that's oh yeah, funny. he'd go one hand up, and then he'd slide. He'd like slide from third to home, and he'd still be safe. I'm like, that's amazing. Funny. So it's just uh, you know the lying, the stealing, the yeah. cheating, the manipulating. That's that's what I got into, and that's what I was about. So you're involved now with a program, or you've tied in with a deconstructing stigma? Yes. So tell us about that. Deconstructing stigma is a um, is a campaign for mental illness um, for celebrities and for people, everyday people um, that tell their story between bipolar, um, uh, sexual trauma to ADHD to. Uh, borderline personality disorder, any mental illness um, disorder that they have, we're fighting the stigma of letting know that it's okay, you're not alone, and you and you have a voice mm-hmm. that you can speak up and let people know if it's family members, coworkers, friends, that hey, Charles, I have a, I'm I have bipolar and I'm comfortable with that, and if you have something to say, say it to me. Don't be afraid. And that's what the program. There on. you go, taking right. taking the, the 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 negative stigma away, right? Yes. Are you still in Logan, life yes. size? <clears throat> so I have a cardboard cutout. No, it's uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, huge. It's a nine foot mural of of me. 
um, and other people, uh, participants of Deconstruction Stigma in Logan Airport. And where nice. can people learn more about? It's uh, between Gates B and C. It's okay. A, it's a walkway in the departures of Logan Airport, and it'll be up for a year. So too. somebody can I take a selfie. I you familiar. <laughs> so you can take a selfie in front of it? Yes, I have. <laughs> I bet. Um, where can people learn more about the Deconstructing? It's uh, deconstructingstigma.org. Okay. Uh, my story's on there. Nice. Um, so scroll down bar. You can read anyone's story. They have uh, Howie Mandel. They have Brandon Marshall, football player. They have... Wow. It's just, um, like I said, there's a lot more of the celebrities on there. So it's just, it's not about celebrities. It's about every day. It happens right? to us all. He's putting to, a face like on said, it. It's yeah. one in five Americans. One in five, right. Yeah. right. Crazy stats. So we're going to take a break. And uh, thank you so much for coming on. You want to stick with us? Can you stick with us the yes. next segment? All right. And we'll uh, be right back on The Map. The Map. The Map. We're talking to Chris Long. Chris, tell us about yourself. Some of the things that I do, I advocate for treatment. I advocate in courts to keep people out of jail. I'm making sure that they're getting what they need to be most successful. And then the other big component of it is the family side of it. And where can people find you? Call my cell phone, 508-212-7206. Or I'm on Zero Boundaries, Chris Perry Long on Facebook, Stakes Are High. You're ubiquitous. You're everywhere. I am everywhere. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. Okay. Hi, everyone. We are back. So, before we wrap up here, we uh, do want to get to one of the recent emails we received. Thank you, Andy, for pulling that down for me. Um, so we've got Jack from Rentham, and he wants to Rent know. Rentham. I was just testing you. Rentham, Rentham, Worcester, 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 Peabody, Peabody, Peabody. Yeah. Yeah, Hello, I'm from Randolph, people, okay? Randolph. <laughs> Marshfield. Marshfield. Yeah, Marsh Vegas. Mesa. Yeah. All right, kids, okay. kids, Sorry. got it. All right. All right. Wicked. All right. So, <laughs> what he wants to know is what it means to have dual diagnosis, which we kind of touched on earlier in uh, the first segment. Um, he's heard of the term a lot, but he's not really sure what it means, and he wants to understand where that term came from. How did it come about? All right. So, Charles, we'll turn to Kristen on this one. No, we're going to turn to oh, Charles because okay. Charles is a true diagnosis, dual diagnosis. He's a triple diagnosis, right? He's like a quadruple. <laughs> quadruple. If you had. OCD. Yeah. Ah, nice. Yeah. So what is, when, when you go to a doctor, right, and, they, and you say, I'm dual diagnosis, how do they treat you? Like your substance abuse is under control, right? Mm-hmm. But your mental health, um, what do they call that? Like just mental health defects, mental health Illness. illnesses, you illnesses. know? Okay. Mental health illnesses. So how do they, how do you determine like what your mental health, how do they determine what's in check and what's not in check if... Mm-hmm. Uh, based on my my trauma and um, pretty much what I just said in my story is from five years old to thirty two wrap that all up how did how did they know that I had bipolar right and that 's what they came up with. The depression has always been there um, i've I had to name major depression episodes that I went through and the anxiety. Uh, went through some anxiety tests that they go through. 
And, but the dual diagnosis part, as a term, means the the comorbidity of 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 mental illness with substance abuse. Isn't that the right? General, right. That's okay. the dual. That's what's the, the dual? What is yes. dual diagnosis? Yes. So it's being an, an alcoholic with bipolar. Right. So it's two. For an example, it's, it's the addiction with the addiction with mental, mental illness. health coupled with mental, with mental illness. illness. Right, right. right. And that's really the chicken or the egg too. Like you said, is it right? I have. You, you have bipolar, and then as a result of dealing with your bipolar, self-medicating, you drink, right? You become or, an alcoholic. Right. right. You well, become, that's the only way to medicate it to go away. Make right. It go away. That we to know of. Right. Your mind. So if you can actually treat the mental health aspect of it. Right. You, and it does go the other way, Andy, too. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. But, cut. But, the, but you can become, because of your addiction, you can become dual diagnosis because people who take too many stimulants, amphetamines, they, they get schizophrenia as a result of their drug use. Right. right? So, so it does let me go both ways. Let me ask you something. Are you bipolar due to the trauma that you experienced as a young child or were you born with, with, with bipolar? Is it is it a genetic or is it something that you are exposed to? It's a great question. It's a great question. It's yeah. a, and it's a question that has no answer for right. me. Right. And because for a lot of people. Right. You yeah. don't know if that that started with the trauma. Right. Or was it was are you born with it? Are you innate with it? Right. Is it genetic? Is it in your DNA? Are you doomed to get it? Or does it is it a result of the environment that you're brought up in? Does it I mean, because we're to? all we all have an addictive behavior. Right, we all have an addiction of some sort, whatever it might be. It might it, some some not everybody has an addictive. Yeah, but like you can like be addicted to Pepsi. Sure, everyone. Do you has know what I mean? Like are, there, yeah, there are yeah. things that you know. Some are harmful to your bodies, and some are just like mm-hmm. that's just the way that I that I what I like and what I do. You know, until those, but those are tendencies. Tendencies, not there necessarily you go. addictions. There you go. Right. Yeah, that's a good word. Tendency. Yeah. I never thought yeah. about that. So if you're going to go and you want to, if you're someone who thinks you may have some issues, some mental health issues, you know, dual diagnosis would be something that you might want to. You want to research, but you definitely want to see someone for. Right. To say, hey, I'm thinking I've heard, I've heard this term, dual diagnosis. Do I fall into that category? Because it's really a buzzword right now, right? It's kind of a. Right, like we were, like Chris was saying that that a lot of the treatment centers claim to be to treat dual diagnosis, but really, you really want to treat the mental illness and the addiction separately because the addiction is simply a symptom. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's chemicals in your body, but once you get that out, then you then you, right. only then can you see realize if you do have a deficiency somewhere. Because if you're, but that's the hard part. How do you go about doing that? Oh, uh, getting sober? You mean? No, going about treating. Right, right. So you have, well, first things first, you'd have to get take the addiction, you have to take the substances away, right? Then see what you're left with, and then treat that, just like you went through. Yeah, but then you run into the whole, there's not enough treatment that goes along with it. So what happens, what what I personally see is I see these kids, they come in and they go to detox. Then they're from detox, they'll go into treatment. And then, you know, 21 days... They're feeling good and, and they're healthy and they've put 10 pounds on and then, you know, but they got a little bit of depression and anxiety, but you know, that's the but norm. But they've been given pills. But they've been, well, they've been given pills or they haven't, you know, and, and then they go back out to the real world because they're fixed and then the mental health set, stuff, you know, sets in the anxiety and 
the depression and they can't understand why they're depressed because they're not doing drugs anymore. And then they start to use again because it, it hushes that voice and we can do the stupid cycle. Well, this will be, be on another show, but you know, I think a large part of this is, you know, you watch TV or whatever you watch football, beer commercials, right. Showing a lifestyle, yeah. you, you know, um, it's okay to, sh- you know, buy stuff you don't need ways to cope another show for sure right yeah. a way a way to cope is oh oh everybody goes to the bar and drink and they have frolicking at the bar and then the reality <laughs> is is why don't you show the person who's throwing up saying i'm never going to drink again right. right out in front of a bar right. right they don't show that right i mean i think alcohol should be banned from tv to be perfect it was honest, like cigarettes it you used know to cigarettes be. you can't do cigarette commercials anymore it needs to be the same thing they you do know? drink responsibly okay yeah what does what that do you mean do? that's one line well, what drink does that responsibility. mean but that's yeah. a big part of this is that well say no to drugs it's become a culture <laughs> just no 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 yeah, just big business no. big business in in, in alcohol advertising and hello f- big pharma why do you think we're in this mess right. why do you think the opioid right. crisis began Another, right. thing, yes, another show. Pharma. Has anybody watched on HBO The Pharmacist? No. I want to see it. Is that a series or? Um, I don't know. Is it? It's a, it's a, it's a series on Netflix. Yeah, it's nice. like a, ser- a Netflix. That's what it is. Oh, I got to watch that. It looks real. Everybody's posting on a, on it about about it on Facebook. Speaking of Ooh, Facebook, Facebook. Jack, first of all, hope that answers your question. <laughs> yes. Jack, Jack, call me. <laughs> right? Can they reach out? Where can they? Uh, for you can anybody? call me. You can go on my Facebook page and reach out, Chris Perry Long, or you can call me, 508-212-7206. I, my She's phone. an open book, friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I answer any questions, or I'll direct you to the professional that can. We yes. answer your so please don't hesitate to reach out to Absolutely. us. Okay. Having said that, yes. we talked about Facebook. Give our Facebook. Uh, we are on Facebook, The Map. It's plain and simple. It's a brain with all little squirrely things in it, and um, it's easy to find. It's our new logo. And we'll be featuring our new guests. Yes, our new guests and um, scripts. We, we have, are we doing scripts of the show on there yet? I don't think we'll be putting scripts so much as information that we might be talking about. So last Good. week's show, I links. put all the links Good. you know, that were, we discussed so that you can click on and find out, you know, Follow it. And if somebody has a topic out there that they want yeah, to uh, have us address, absolutely. we'd Let love us to know. hear from you too. Yep. You know what? Speaking on those lines, I wanted, wanted to just take a cup, just one second here and um, address something that came up just recently. Um, I was faced with having to put my white lab, 12 and a half years old, who was my life. Well, just that's putting it really mildly. I did put him down. Um, I hold will on, blame hold this on. on my Irish it was, Catholic. It was not her life. It was her best friend that, you know, um, it was her best friend that was with her through the good times and through the bad times when the rest of the world wanted nothing to do with you. Just be honest. Like It's absolutely like, true. Because, yeah. Yes. He saw me through my addiction. He saw me through my recovery. He traveled across the country with me three times. And he, this dog could hear me laughing from a mile away and he would wag his tail. Oh. It, was, it was just, we were like, very close. At any rate, um, as many of you know, I've, I'm here. I, I traveled from back from California to Massachusetts, which is my home state. Because um, you're from Randolph. I'm from Randolph. Yeah. <laughs> All right, kid. So <laughs> anyway, it was a rough time. And my family is such that we don't show. We don't show emotions and we don't ask for help because that is considered weak 
and that means you're incompetent. And especially if you're a female, we just keep everything, we just keep it all here and we make sure everything looks good on the outside because that's most important. Well, when this happened, that was not possible. And um, Miss Kristen over here, uh, whom I basically just met a few months ago, stood up and, and said, oh my God, you're going through this. Can I come there? Can I come there and be with you? Because I will. And in just, and I, I said yes, which is, first of all, a miracle in and of itself. Because <laughs> that doesn't happen. You at, and you're at your Brady's Landing. And I was at Brady's Landing. I was at the house. Um, Where your client stepped over you. Is, <laughs> in, in Sandwich. In Sandwich. In Sandwich, mm-hmm. yeah. It was right, a long day. way. And, sober living home for women. she did it. Yep. She did you long, asked for help. Because I did. I said, yep. yes, I do need help. And you know what? She was there. She was there in an hour and a half. And this woman sat there and, and walked me through the most painful experience of my life to date. And I say that because I was sober. I put, I put my other dog down, but I was, you know, I didn't feel much of it. I did, but this was different. Mm-hmm. And I was, I lost my, you know what? And she picked me up literally off the ground and, and out of the basement, out of the, out of the basement in the fetal position. <laughs> she brought me upstairs and she made me go out and she made me walk outside so I could breathe because I wasn't breathing at all. And I'm, I just was overwhelmed. I'm still overwhelmed by the kindness and generosity and compassion that she had for me. Completely stood, stayed all day, then took me to lunch. I, I'm just absolutely flabbergasted, for lack of a better term. And I'm just, I just wanted to put that out there and say, I have never been more impressed with another human being and more grateful to another human being. And I had to say that because we have this form and I can. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you and for allowing me at absolutely. your weakest moment. It was a whole lot. And Andy's been a good boy, too. <laughs> he sent me to listen on the phone. <laughs> and, and no, it's great. And that's our show for the week. Wrap that up. Because that's when the music... <laughs> Crazy, but it was a fly. I loved Chris. It was her friend George. All right, that's our show for the week. Have a great week. Have a great week, everyone. See you next time on the map.